0: Welcome to these Bible lessons on the Old Testament. In these lessons, we'll cover God's magnificent creation of all the world, including the creation of man, the crown of God's creation. We'll follow with the sad fall of man in paradise and the consequences this brought to the world. In the continuing lessons, we'll teach how God visits men with the revelation of his covenant of grace. When we travel together through the entire Old Testament, we see God visiting his nation of Israel with revelations of this covenant of grace, pointing constantly to the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope these lessons are a blessing to you. Thank you. Welcome to Lesson 9 in this Old Testament Bible History series. You can follow along about the Tower of Babel in Genesis 10 and 11 in your Bible. We're going to see here especially that God's plan of mercy and salvation can never be stopped. A question for you. Are you following along today in English or are you reading the subtitles at the bottom of the screen? In today's lesson we're going to find out where languages come from. And so when we begin reading in Genesis 10, we can see that Genesis 10 is a very large listing of all the children and all the grandchildren of Noah. Let's take a look at Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. There are two sons of Ham that we want to mention first, and these are the sons Mizraim and Canaan. Mizraim means Egypt, and This son moved to the area we now know as Egypt. Canaan, he was the one that was cursed by Noah. And we can see that the family of Canaan, which became known as the Canaanites, they have very clearly defined boundaries where they are going to live. You can read those boundaries in verses 15 through 19. Both these families of Canaan and Mizraim are going to have a big part in the future of part of Shem's family. We can see in the in the family listing of Shem that his great grandson was Eber, and it's from Eber that the nation of the Hebrews come, the Jews, and it's the story of the Jewish people that occupies most of the rest of the Old Testament. Remember our last lesson where briefly at the end we talked about what names mean? Well, one of the grandsons of Ham is named Nimrod. The name Nimrod means rebel. So, my question to you is, how do you think the life of Nimrod went? Well, his his name means rebel, so we can conclude that his life was full of rebellion against God. Nimrod moved east to the area around the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, and he began to establish a mighty kingdom. One of the cities that he, that he established and that was part of his kingdom was named Babel. Nimrod was blessed with a skill of brickmaking; His people could coat them with tar, and bake them in ovens. And as a result, they could make better bricks faster than any other people around them. And so as a result, they can make cities and walls and towers. And they often do. They often made a a pyramid shape that had a flat top. They made pyramid-shaped towers that had a flat top, on top of which they would often build a temple and worship a false god. And so if we would go to the city of Babel, then we would hear Nimrod giving a speech. He'd be walking through the streets with some advisors, and he would say, Wow, what an amazing tower you have built. This one is more beautiful, and you have built it faster than any tower before. People of Babel, you can be proud of yourself. What an achievement you have made. Let's stay together. Let's build an empire We will create greatness, he says. We'll rule the world. It's possible that someone says over here, but wasn't it the command of our fathers to spread around the world and to continue to explore? The answer of Nimrod is nonsense. We do not serve that God anymore. We refuse to obey him. We're better together, he says. In fact, let's build another tower. That way we will never get lost. The Bible tells us that it was their plan to reach unto heaven. The main idea here is that Nimrod and his people were rebelling against God's command. Men there were honoring themselves. They were not honoring God. They loved themselves, not God. So Nimrod is a mighty leader, but God is an almighty God. and So God sees this plan. He sees the plan of man to rebel. He sees the disobedience. And so here we have a picture of God coming down to see what this tower in this city was about and then to decide. God is always fair. He's always right in all of the decisions he makes. God never acts rashly without all of the knowledge. And so God sees the pride of these men. He sees their ignorance. He sees their rebellion, how they love themselves, how they do not love God. And he knows that this great sin must be stopped. And so instead of sending death, which they deserve, he is still merciful and he only confuses the language, and he is going to force them to scatter if they will not obey his command to scatter. And so if we look at one of these building sites, we can see that there are workers who are very busy. Some workers are carving bricks, others are coating them with tar, still others are putting them into the ovens to bake, and there are bricklayers, there are organizers giving commands, And suddenly, in a moment, they cannot understand each other. The language has been confused. They stare at each other with a puzzled expression on their face. They put down their tools, and they begin to walk away. Soon, this building site is empty. One language has turned, in an instant, into many languages. After scattering all these people, we can see in the biblical account Once again, a summary of Shem's family tree. And then later on, towards the end of that chapter, we see that there's one family in particular that is described near the end of the chapter. And that's a new family that we're going to begin to follow in our next lesson. And so we see here in this chapter that God is moving from focusing his attention to give a blessing to the entire human race to now just focusing his attention to one family and one man. What is the story uh, story's relevance for us? And what is the message for us? What is the purpose that this story is here in the Bible? Well, first we can see that God is faithful. We can see in this family tree and trace throughout all the generations that God is very faithful in preserving a church for himself. It is from the Family of Shem, that the Lord Jesus will be born. Second, God is very clearly the ruler of all the nations. It is he who gives the command to scatter, and they must obey. There are some practical things we can learn as well. And the first practical item is that pride is a sin. And we must be careful to not be proud of the skills that God gave us because he can easily stop us. The second practical thing is to remember that we always obey God's commands. That we do not forget God. That we do not see ourselves as most important. Because to do that is to turn our back to God. The third practical thing to note is to observe just how quickly after the flood the world has again turned their back on God. The same problem of sin is still there at that time, and it is there today. We also see here what God does. God confuses the language, and that does not mean that God is tinkering with his creation and trying to find a plan that works, but No, rather, it's that same plan that is consistently being worked out. There's a picture here of God choosing to gather his people from all nations, all languages, from the whole world. And so this story really is about God scattering and God gathering. We can read about that in Deuteronomy 28, near the end of the chapter, where it says, If you will not obey God's laws then the Lord shall scatter you among all people from one end of the earth to the other. And you will become slaves of other people. And that, that actually happened. Part of Shem's family became slaves of the family of Mizraim or part of Ham's family in Egypt. We learn that if we disobey God, he will scatter. Maybe the question from you is if God scatters, does he also gather again? And the answer is yes, he does. We can read that in Deuteronomy 30. There, God tells his people that when they return to God and obey him with their whole heart and soul, then God will have compassion on his scattered people and gather them from all nations where the Lord their God had scattered them. And so, obedience to God results in gathering. We can see that God is separating here, first by command and second by force. Clearly, there is a task for nations that require them to be separate from each other. Indeed, God is setting the stage for the eventual arrival of that promised seed, the one who will be born of Shem. And so he is separating the family of Shem and then a part of the family of Shem so that he can use that family in his plan of salvation. It's going to be in part of Shem's family, the nation of the Hebrews, the Jews, that God is going to build his church. And that far-off son of Shem, the Lord Jesus, is going to be very important in gathering that church from the whole world. In fact, it is in obedience to the command of the Lord Jesus that missionaries go around the world learning different languages and preaching the gospel. You can read about the start of that in Acts chapter 2. So we see that First, the gift of speaking in language was used to rebel against God, but now the gift of speaking in different languages is going to be used to gather those people back to God. So before they were scattered, and now they're going to be gathered. Before Nimrod was their leader, and now people will be united and gathered in Christ. God promises that out of all nations and languages, his people will be gathered. And so in conclusion, we have seen in this story that God's plan of mercy, of salvation can never be stopped by any plan of Satan. In the next lesson, we're going to see how God singles out one man and one family in order to continue his work and to show his covenant promises.